today on the Zabecast, for anyone who says Kareem Hunt should never play again in the NFL, I ask a simple question. Where's your humanity, people? El Toucan squawks the caddy payday dispute that has ensnared PGA Tour pro Matt Kuchar. Notorious JAY joins me. We will talk Grammys, Blackface, Random Tigers, Zion Williamson, and more. All that, plus you never know who you might meet on Bumble these days. Bonus Abe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Wednesday, February 13, 2019. Thank you for downloading. So Kareem Hunt has been signed by the Cleveland Browns to a one-year deal that is going to also almost certainly include some degree of a suspension from the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell. The wrath of Freel, as I like to say, Lisa Freel, shall cometh down on Kareem Hunt. I think it's a perfectly reasonable signing. And for that, you get nothing in today's media world. You've got to be either outraged or just get on one polar opposite or the other. Apparently, ESPN has sent out a memo to to most of its talent. uh, Or maybe they don't have to send out a memo. It's like, oh, you must treat this as wrong. God forbid Kareem Hunt get signed by another NFL team because he kicked a drunky McChick who was underaged, may have screamed the N-word at him and his friends, and refused to leave after Kareem Hunt said, hey, the party's over for you, go home. Or as the kids like to say, go home, you're drunk. Not that it was right, but in the big scheme of things and compared to other players in the NFL, It was a relative nothing burger. It looks bad on tape, but that's because they caught it on tape. So here was Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, former drummer for the band Perry? Something like that. Should have looked it up. Here was Jason Fitz's uh, take on the situation. Go. agree that in life, people deserve second chances. At dream jobs, I do not believe people deserve second chances. And I always qualify this. Let me stop right there. doesn't take long for me to just go, hold on. Who's going to define what is a dream job and what isn't? It's funny how this dream job of playing in the NFL is often decried by the same people like Jason Fitz who say, oh, it's so bad concussion CTE. Oh, it's terrible. Is it a dream job or is it a death sentence? Okay, continue. It's because this is where people love to come at you and say you don't understand life. Like, my brother served a substantial amount of time in prison. So, Hey, how about that? I understand the attempt at, at coming back into society, and I think I understand second chances better, frankly, than a lot of people because I've lived it through my family. Eh, I don't know if that makes you better equipped, but okay. That being said, there's a difference between I deserve a second chance at life and I deserve a second chance at a dream job. In my mind, when you hit a woman, you don't deserve a second chance at a dream job. There, that, that's just a sort of a hook, line, and sinker. I, I think the NFL as a league, and, and I know they don't, but I think the NFL as a league should come in at some point and just eliminate this problem. I know that, that it's not that easy, but that's in my mind what should happen. I don't think he should be in the but NFL. That's, Listen to that. I know it's not that easy, but I want it to be that easy, and that's my take. I don't want to have to judge every case on its own merits. I don't have to weigh 
I don't want to have to weigh the circumstances and be reasonable and say, okay, we're not going to have a hard and fast rule. I just, I just want this perfect right now. Jesus, what a dipshit he is. I know it's kind of hard, but I really just you know, read, listen to that again. Line and sinker. I, I think the NFL as a league, and, and I know they don't, but I think the NFL as a league should come in at some point and just eliminate this problem. I know that, that it's not that easy, but that's in my mind what should happen. I don't think he should be in the NFL. I know it's not that easy, but that's what I want to happen. God, do you even listen to yourself? So let's say, okay, you're talking about a job playing in the NFL that is considered a dream job if you're Jason Fitz. It's kind of the only job that Kareem Hunt has been training for his whole life. Doesn't mean he can't and won't go on to other vocations or professions in his life, but this is what he's been training for. And it happens to pay very well, although not as well as some other sports pay. Dream job. You should get a second chance in life, but not a second chance at a dream job. So let's say Kareem Hunt went to the XFL, or let's say he went to the AAF. Would Jason Fitz say, no, 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 not that league either, because that too is a dream job. You're getting $80,000 a year, which is still above the median salary in America. No, you can't play in that league either. I mean, who's he to say? Who are you, Karim Garcia? Then, of course, there was this from Get Up in the morning in which Mike Greenberg posed the following question and phrased it this way to his roundtable cohorts, Maria Taylor and Dan Orlovsky. All right, let's take this one to the table. And obviously, there are so many different ways to react to a story of this nature, but the first is almost always emotional what is your immediate emotion when you see the video and then you realize the circumstance so maria i'll start it with you emotional the first way to think about it is emotionally oh god listen we all have emotions and you should be in touch with them and if you really want to be in touch with them go watch the movie inside out and get get in touch with all your feels all right then once you're done crying laughing getting angry take a deep breath and then think don't make decisions in life. Don't base policy on emotion. But of course, Greeny is coming at it from an emotional standpoint for reasons that either he thought that would be a good way to come at it or the producers told him, I want you to ask Maria Taylor, a woman, how she feels about this. You heard the news yesterday. Kareem Hunt is going to get another chance in the National Football League. What was the first way it made you feel? Um, initially, just disappointed because I think that this is another example of treating domestic violence or the mistreatment of women as a character flaw that can basically be cured. I mean, we're not talking about abusing PEDs. We're not talking about drug abuse where you're only hurting yourself. Uh, we're talking about whether or not women feel protected. Think about so are you saying that he cannot be cured of this you say incurable instinct to harm women? Remember, this was a single fleeting kick in a hotel lobby altercation in which no charges were filed, no crimes were committed, 
and there was no injury sustained by the particular woman in case. How difficult it is for a victim to come forward and say, hey, this happened to me. There's video evidence in this situation. And still, you know, the Browns have decided that we can rehabilitate this person back. At what point is there a zero tolerance for a situation like this? Well, at what point is there a zero tolerance? I hope never. I am, I have zero tolerance for zero tolerance as a notion. Nothing should be that black and white. Life is not black and white. At what point do you draw the line in the sand and say, this is the one thing that we will not allow um, in my program, in our league? I hope that there was someone on the Browns organization that said, I don't necessarily think this is a good idea. Uh, I hope there's one person. But we've seen it before. We've seen it with Joe Mixon. We've seen it with Reuben Foster. Uh, we've seen it happen with Ezekiel Elliott where there's a situation that has arisen and for one reason or another, the decision was made that a business decision is more important than protecting women or deciding to make a stance to make sure that everyone understands that this is absolutely unacceptable. So, By the way, all those situations are vastly different. And the Maria Taylors of the world don't want to acknowledge that or maybe don't have the capacity to understand it or haven't done the legwork. I mean, Tyreek Hill brutally choked and punched his pregnant girlfriend while in college. It was not caught on videotape. If it was, I doubt he'd be playing in the NFL at all, despite being a spectacular NFL player. The Joe Mixon incident was caught on surveillance camera. It was not released until a long and torturous legal battle was fought over the release of it. By that time, he was on his way to being drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, and it showed a premeditated and calculated and savage punch to the face, a knockout of a woman that he knew and had been romantically involved in and was having an argument with in a public space. Far different than a fleeting kick from Drunky, Drunky McChick, who was a one-night hookup, like, hey, let's go out and drink, and okay, party's over, time to go home. Wait, what What are you causing a ruckus about? A lot different. Doesn't make it right, per se. Should have never done it, but you have to compare the two. In the case of Zeke Elliott, I read the all the documents. I, I fell down the wormhole one night reading all this stuff, the, the league's original report, which the league's own... Domestic violence counselor recommended to Goodell. There's nothing here. We can't suspend anything. There's nothing corroborated. There's no actual physical, um, th- there is no actual injury involved here. The, her story does not match up. It, it, it was a boyfriend-girlfriend situation, a relationship gone bad. We can't do anything. That's what they told Goodell. Goodell's like, no, nah, no, nah, we got we to gotta sit down a cowboy if for no other reason than to keep everyone else on their toes. So Maria Taylor would net, he would, would Maria Taylor have kicked Zeke Elliott out of the league forever based on allegations that never rose to a crime, never convicted, and the league's own investigator said nothing here. Disappointment is what I'm going to stick with. I double down. As, a, as an athlete growing up, as a kid, <clears throat> or, or when you're better than people, you're, you have a talent a gift, something that you do at a high level. Yeah, in case of Dan Orlowski, his talent is to run out of the end zone for about nine steps before throwing the ball, thinking, hey, I'm still in bounds. I heard as a kid, you have to understand that you can't do things other people can because your consequences are going to be greater because of sports. You never heard that. You cannot do something and think that you will get the same treatment maybe as somebody else. This is another case where why 
why is Kareem Hunt being for not forgiven, but getting that second chance uh, when he did not understand he could not do that stuff? Also, when it comes to athletics, you often hear if you're better than other people or you do it really good, you'll get away with more. If Kareem Hunt was an okay to below average running back, not a would he be back in the NFL? That's my question. And there's a stigma around athletes that is still there in regards to that, and that's not okay. And we have to get past that. And this was the NFL's chance. All right, we're going to leave it there for the moment. There'll be more to say about this as our morning continues. In the meantime, we have plenty. This was the NFL's chance. What a bunch of gibberish. What a bunch of just, you know, virtue signaling and moral peacocking. Look at my colors. I'm the prettiest peacock. I care more than somebody else. Don't you care about Kareem Hunt at all? Where is the basic humanity to say, we're not going to just throw this guy away. He's already paid a tremendous price. He was cut from his team that was headed to the Super Bowl, or should have been. He lost game checks, at least four or five game checks along the way. He'll lose more game checks next year on this deal with the Browns. And uh, he's paid a price. And he has shown what most people would consider genuine contrition. I'm not sure how you can measure purity of intentions or genuine contrition, but it's as good of a statement and seemingly ownership of, yeah, I fucked up that we've seen. You just going to throw a kid like that right out the moon door. See you later. That's it. Uh, maybe Jason Fitz can tell Kareem hunt to learn to code. Oh no. I just went there. Didn't I? It's so mindless. It is such a competition to one-up each other. I saw Rich Eisen as well tweeted. You know, if it was me, I'd just want, uh, if I owned a team in the NFL, I'd want my uh, players to not kick a woman. That's all. I'm just saying. Again, Amber Theo Harris, who I like, I'm friends with, sort of. She knows me. Let me put it that way. She knows who I am. (laughs) Echoed the sentiment. Somebody tweeted back at, Amber saying, boy, wait until you hear about this guy, Tyreek Hill. She's shot back once and then ducked into her hole. Something about, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm a woman. I'm a mom. I get it. I understand. Do you understand, though? Because if you're saying, you know, if I owned a team, I wouldn't have a guy like this. The Chiefs have another guy like this. It's just that was not caught on tape and it was not while he was a pro. Like, how do you not stop and say to yourself, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm being kind of hypocritical here. I guess my two stances don't really match up. This is a reasonable signing an appropriate thing for the Browns to do. And if you say, well, Zabe, aren't you the guy that was so against the Reuben Foster thing and the Reuben Foster signing by the Redskins? Yes. Yes, I was against it, but let's stack up the differences. You've got Kareem Hunt, one incident, with drunky McUnderage chick who wouldn't leave and maybe shouted the N-word at him versus three incidents with Reuben Foster. One of them resulting in serious bodily injury if you believe he did it, which prosecutors in Santa Clara do believe. If you believe her, the alleged victim, then she said, no, I got that fighting another woman, not getting into it with Reuben Foster. There was a police call to their apartment where there was holy hell being raised. The police showed up and investigated. Nobody was arrested. No 
charges were filed. And then there was the case in Tampa. That's three. And there was a gun charge for Reuben Foster as well. And there was the incident at the Combine. The reason I was against the Reuben Foster signing is, A, as a a Redskin fan, as an organization, we can't afford this kind of thing at this point in our juncture. we got to keep focused on getting guys who are good players and the right players, not necessarily, ooh, he was drafted high and I didn't want this guy. And secondly, I just think that he has a high propensity, Reuben Foster, to fall back into this. So I was against that because it's different. Everything is different. All these cases are different. They are individual snowflakes, every single incident. And if you're saying like uh, Jason Fitz, I, I want zero tolerance. I want him out of the league. So are you saying if he kicked a small child, say a 10-year-old boy, then what? Not a woman. Can't call it domestic violence or violence against women. What then? What if he kicks a 14-year-old boy who was six foot one and already had a tattoo? What then? He's underage, but he's larger. And if you say, well, those are silly hypotheticals and we'll see when those things happen, then I'll say, thank you, you've made my point. The fact that you have to say, well, we'll have to see if that actually happens proves that you shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all policy. What if... What if uh, Kareem Hunt swung his leg or swung his fist at the woman, but missed. What if his intent was to knock her lights out and he missed? Going to ban him from football for that? Interesting. What about a push? What about an arm grab? What about pressing her against the wall? What about screaming at her? What about grabbing her cell phone and throwing it out the window? What then? What then, Jason Fitz? I know, your brother's been in prison. You got it nailed. You got it down. You know it all. You're good. To golf we go. File this one under El Toucan Squawks. David Geral Ortiz, the diminutive Mexican caddy who goes by the nickname El Toucan, said in a recent phone interview that after being paid five grand by Matt Kuchar, on the Sunday evening after the golfer won the Mayakoba Classic in Riviera Maya, he has not received any other payment. The caddy said he was offered an additional $15,000 for a total of twenty grand, but found it unacceptable. He also said he would not want to work for Kuchar at next year's tournament. For both player and caddy, the show-me-the-money aftermath of a magical week has been filled with frustration and disappointment, writes Michael Bamberger for Golf.com. Ortiz feels he was underpaid. Kuchar feels like he has made a fair offer to a club caddy who was with him for only one week. That the pay dispute has played out over social media without either party saying much of anything is a sign of the times. January 24th, Ortiz emailed Mark Steinberg, Kuchar's agent. The caddy wrote, I'm a humble man who takes care of his family and works hard. Blah, 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 doesn't matter. I'm reaching out to see to you to see if I can facilitate receiving a fair amount for my help with Matt winning $1.296 million. I'm not looking to disparage Matt or give him a bad name. Fair is fair, and I feel like I was taken advantage of by placing my trust in Matt. Ortiz is a 40-year-old father, as is Kuchar. He wrote in Spanish and used Google Translate to turn his words into English. He also said he received help from Americans visiting Mayacoba, the Mexican resort where he works. 
Ortiz Caddies at the El Camillon Golf Club. I've played it several times. It's fantastic. In Playa del Carmen. Asked about how he felt about the offer to receive what he said would be an additional 15 grand. Ortiz said, no, thank you. They can keep their money. Okay. As the kids say, bye, Felicia. In response to an email from Golf.com to Kutcher and Steinberg seeking comment, Steinberg wrote on Monday, quote, the reports on what Matt's caddy was offered are wildly inaccurate. However, it is inappropriate to discuss those amounts publicly. Ortiz said he did not expect to be paid what a tour caddy would have made. I hope not. His English is so bad, he had to use Google Translate for a simple extortion letter to Kutcher's agent. Hey, I don't want to disparage Matt. Just looking for, you know, my fair share. Wait, 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 wait. whoever talked about discouraging Matt Kuchar? What, what's this all about? What, what do you mean? You're going to go public with this if we don't pay you? Is that how it works? He didn't expect to be paid what a tour caddy gets paid, but he wanted more than five grand. Oh, by the way, he makes about $200 a day at the club now. So for a week's worth of work, that's $1,400. He didn't caddy all seven days with Kuchar, probably five or six. So even three grand would have been a good week for him. Five grand is even better. And when Kuchar said, look, I'll bump it up by another 15, you can get 20 grand, he should have taken the offer. Apparently he wanted 50. Okay. Now granted, the way it works on tour is that a caddy, working for his man on tour, gets a percentage bonus of top tens, top fives, and wins. These arrangements are usually handshake deals and not in writing. So uh, a a 10% cut of the $1.3 million, nearly $1.3 million check is a hell of a payday, $130,000. But guess what? You're not a tour caddy, El Toucan. You may know the course, but you also don't know English. You've never worked with Matt. You don't know his ball flight, his clubs. You don't know his typical misses. You probably can't read greens like a tour caddy. You're not supposed to get the 130 grand. And the reason that tour caddies get 10% of a win is to reward them and to persevere and to have some skin in the game with their man so that when they're in the hunt, at a tournament to win, that caddy is focused. That caddy's not just like, ah, this guy might win, but he might choke. What do I care? I get paid the same five grand a week anyway. Hey, here's an eight iron. Good luck. No, no. That's why they get 10%. The fact that this guy even thought he should get anything more than what they had agreed upon is ridiculous. Now, should Kuchar have spelled out in writing to L2 Ken, you're going to get five grand for the week and a bonus of 1% off of my winnings or 2% or whatever percent upwards, uh, you know, here's a max. Like you'll get, you get 5% of my, my winnings maxed out at 50 grand or whatever it was. Maybe he had to write that out. Who knows? By Sunday night of the tournament, Kutra's smiling face was sunburned and covered in stubble. He and Ortiz posed for pictures together with the winner's trophy. Later, Ortiz said the golfer handed him an envelope with his payment in cash and said, there you go, thank you, bye. Sounds kind of cold, but who knows? Might have might have had more words in there than that. Ortiz said the envelope contained hundreds, fifties, twenties, and fives that added up to exactly $5,000. He 
He counted it after Kuchar had handed it to him and left. <laughs> in January at the Sony Open in Honolulu, Kuchar was asked by reporters about what he had paid Ortiz. He said, that's not a story. It wasn't 10%. It wasn't three grand. Well, it's, he's technically correct about that. Oh, Jay's calling me right now. It's a live looking. Uh, uh, yes, Jay. I, I am driving home. I am not home. I will call you when I get home. Okay, good. I'm recording another segment right now. What time should I call you? Oh, God. Call me. No. I'm up all night. Call me, baby. See I'll ya. Call you. Bye. Bye. There you go. Notorious J.A.Y. You'll hear from him in just a moment. Yeah, that's how you know it's a live podcast. Jay called in. Unexpected. I answered it. So, technically, Kuchar was not lying. He said it wasn't 10% and it wasn't three grand. It was five grand which translates into 0.38% or or less than 1% of the 1.27. In an interview after the tournament, Ortiz said the most useful thing he said to Kuchar came Sunday on the back nine. Quote, you need to calm down. He was very nervous. Did you say it in English or not? Kuchar said of Ortiz, he was definitely my lucky charm. He brought me good luck and certainly some extra crowd support and did a great job as well. He just did what I was hoping for and looking for. Yeah, carry the bag. Give me a club that I asked for. Give me a yardage and shut up. Shut up and keep up. (laughs) Ah, this is going to, uh, I tell you what, I bet the other caddies there at Mayakoba want to fucking kill El Toucan. El Toucan, the Toucan who squawked at $20,000 has probably killed any golden goose for other local caddies who might want to pick up work next year when the tour rolls into town because now every tour player is going to be on high alert for this. Every tour player is going to tell their regular caddy who wants to go home for you know, November, the holidays, instead of going down to Mayakoba to lug the sticks around, their man is going to go, nah, you got to come with me because if I win, I'm not going to get the Cancun Shanghai from a local caddy who doesn't like what I'm paying them. I guess in short, what I'm saying is to L2 can fuck that guy. You tried to strong on him for more than you should have. You should have taken the 20 grand and said, no, no, everything is great between me and Mr. Kuchar. He is a wonderful man and very, very generous. I thank him very much. Now Kuchar's got this stigma, so we'll see how he deals with it. I personally, like I said this all along, I would have paid the full 10% out of mere superstition. Wait, wait, you're, you're just defending Kuchar and you're ripping the caddy and now you're saying you would pay the full 10%? Yeah. Those two statements are not at odd odds. I'm saying if I was the player, I'd pay the whole freight because I'm a superstitious son of a bitch and I'd say the gods of golf will look down on me and frown if I don't pay him the full 10%. Oh, hell no, he does not deserve the 10%. But I'd pay the 10% A out of superstition B because the word would get out that, oh yeah, Zabe paid his caddy the full 10%. That's amazing. $130,000. Now look at El Toucan rolling up to work at Mayakoba with a new car, spinners, gold chains. He's so happy. 
Made me look good. Small price to pay. Anyway, what a mess. What a mess. L toucan. Squawking. Not enough money. One more. It's the first time I've ever done a toucan impression on the show. Uh, I think it'll be the last time, too. I am going to tell you something right now, Jay, that's going to make you eat your heart out, brother. You know Taraji P. Henson? Otherwise the lovely, known. delectable DC's, DC's own. That's right. Name. That's right. Yes. Uh, lead actress on the critically acclaimed TV hit Empire. Yes. Which I, I've in- never seen, by the way. Interesting. Thought that was required viewing for. Yeah, well. I, for I those in the community. I don't always tell the party lines. Eh? You should know that by now. That's okay. I miss a lot of mandated white things as well. You know how that is. Just don't have time. Don't have interest. You're your own man. I like that. Um, so I interviewed Taraji P. Henson, and here's how it went down. First of whoa, all. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just, why are you interviewing Taraji P. Henson? Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you say that. People, when I aired the interview on the team 980 is now part of the Urban One radio umbrella, several people said, oh, I get it. You probably were told you have to do this, you know, urban angle. And I said, no, no, not at all. Like totally. They don't tell me what to do or anything like that. This was brought to me by a publicist who wanted to promote her new movie. That's out called what men really want. And it involves Taraji playing a female sports agent trying to break through. So it had a sports angle. Know what I'm saying? Right. So the publicist reached out to me and I get a lot of these requests all the time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Taraji B. Henson. And I just sort of, and then I took a quick Google. I was like, who's that? I'm like, oh, she's the lead on Empire. She's pretty badass. And then I quickly saw her IMDb and she was in Hidden Figures and uh, some other good movies. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll, t- I'll take her. Sure, it's a sports angle. The publicist says to me, oh, and she's a huge sports fan, so you can talk sports with her. And I'm like, okay, fine, let's do this thing, right? So I get her on, and we start talking, and then I walk right into it by saying, eh, you're, are you a pretty big sports fan? She goes, uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm like, literally, I'm saying to myself, these fucking publicists. They will say whatever is needed to, to get, get the interview. <laughs> to get the interview, to right. To get the interview. So I kind of stumble around a bit, a little bit lost, like, oh, shit, what do I do now? And uh, it turns out that I then say, well, because she's like, well, I'm getting engaged. My husband used to play football. I go, oh, really? She said, yeah. He played for the Indianapolis Colts, won a Super Bowl. Kelvin Hayden. Never heard of him. Shut up. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> really no idea? Okay. Really no idea. But you know what? Mazel tov for Taraji. Anyway, so we, we go through the interview. It was pretty perfunctory. It was about 10 minutes long. I thought I graded it myself as a C- minus at best. I, I just had a hard time getting stuff out of her. I didn't want to go too long. Anyhow, I get, I get this note from her publicist. And again, this may just be another lie. She, uh, the publicist says, great, Steve. I was told this was Taraji's favorite interview. 
Really appreciate it. Look forward to working with you again. I said, thanks. Even though that compliment sounds like something a publicist tells every interviewer. Yeah, why would it be her favorite if you did? Okay, well, you know what? Okay. Here's what here's what he said. Trust me, not this publicist. Here's the exact quote from the Paramount rep. Quote, just wanted to say Taraji loved, all caps, the interview with Steve from ESPN Radio. Good thing I'm not ESPN Radio anymore, but okay, whatever opens doors. Okay, whatever. He asked some awesome questions. Thank you very much. And had no idea she was engaged to Kelvin and was super intrigued to find out. I've sat in on a ton of interviews with her. And this is one of the few times she has made a comment like that. Wow. Yes. So you could be Taraji's go-to in D.C. now. <laughs> her hollaback boy? I mean. Her bitch boy? If she, if she, no, no, no. When she's movie and they like, who do we give press? Steve Zabin. That's her favorite. <laughs> anyway, I just No. Took... <laughs> what did you say again? Run that by me one said, more time. I said you could be her go-to when she wants to do press in D.C. You're it now. You're her guy. I would gladly do that. I would chauffeur Ms. Henson around. I would chauffeur and her uh, football-playing husband, who you claim to have never heard of. No, no. no. I mean, when she does interviews, you'll, like, be the guy she goes okay. to. Like, okay. like, everybody, like, everybody, you know, some people go to Dan Patrick, you know. You could be her, <laughs> Dan Patrick. Okay. If she needs some pub in D.C. All right. Well, hopefully she'll need pub again in D.C. soon. I can't believe that you've never seen Empire. No. I mean, if you're going to be my designated black friend on this podcast, you're going to need to step it up. Really? I, the show, there's nothing about this show that interests me. It's about some hip-hop mogul. Yeah, she was in jail. Get- she was in jail framed by her drug-dealing ex-husband. And Does they ha- the time- I they have a gay son. Yeah, the, the now now the Jussie Smollett thing. I didn't a, I didn't ask Miss Henson about that. Good, good thing, good thing. You want to stay away from that because it's looking like it's a complete hoax. Yes, I think you're telling me in 2019, Jesse. There's no video of this anywhere. Mm. Not only is there not no video, if that's correct, not no video. Not only. Like, not only have they not found video of the attack, police say that they have enough cameras that they're stitching them all together so they will likely be able to recreate every step he took that night. Uh-oh. They've, yeah. been, they've been going around looking at where the rope that was around his neck was purchased from, like to local stores to try to match it. Yeah, he's got to come up. He's got some explaining to do. He gave the police partial phone records, phone records, but they were redacted instead of just turning over his phone because obviously he doesn't want them rooting through his phone. I don't blame him, I guess. Could be ugly, man. It could be ugly because part of it could be true. He could have embellished some more of the rest, and then they still might not find out who it was. But it just doesn't add up. It doesn't sound right. It didn't sound right to me when they said there was no video. I'm like, you're in Chicago. There's video everywhere, so yeah, you're gonna have to go. You're How about this? To... How about this? It's below zero. It's two a.m. and you're a rich star, and you walk out yeah. on your own you to go walking? get a subway yeah. sandwich. And by the way, subways open at two a two a.m. in the morning. Apparently, there was one. 
Okay. All right. I got a anyway. I got a problem with that. Also, in Wikipedia, Taraji's son was arrested in L.A. and she immediately jumped on the racial profiling thing, and then the police released video showing he rolled through a stop sign where there was pedestrians in the crosswalk. He was high at the time, and he had like outstanding warrants. And she was like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't. I, I went into mom mode as defensively. I, I should have not questioned the hardworking police of L.A. I didn't bring that one up either, Jay. Can't always use the card. You got you to gotta, you gotta know when to use it. You got to be careful. It's got to be at least a 50-50 call on that. Yeah, you got to know when to use it. Can't just use it anywhere. All right, so our governor is still governor uh, almost two weeks now after the whole blackface thing. You mean your governor in in Virginia? Yes. Yes, my governor in Virginia. Now you're in politics now uh, as an aide to a state rep, and so chief of st- we call we call him chief of staff. Chief of staff. Yes. Sorry. What do you make of what's going on across the river here in Virginia? Whoever his for okay, first of all, the Republican who lost to him had to say, "How did we lose to this guy? How did yeah. we not know that this was in the past?" Sure. That's number one. Number two. The governor, how dumb. So you're going to say it wasn't me, and then you're going to, I mean, no, no, you're going to issue an apology. And then say it wasn't me. And then say, I'm not in the picture. Yeah, I, right. I guess he's going with the, I'm just going to ride this out to see if everybody forgets, because sometimes our president uses that. But I don't know if this one you can ride out. Well, I almost think he's getting close to riding it out because how okay. do they force him out? And then complicating matters is the lieutenant governor who's been accused of rape by multiple women. Not one, not two, but I believe three. Yeah. Not good. Not good. And, and then, he's black, the lieutenant governor. Doesn't look good. And then, then, the, then the number three... <laughs> Just just jumped on the store and said, you know what? I was in by the way, when did is was blackface uh, elective in Virginia? <laughs> not where I not where I went to school, that's for sure. It just seems like everybody was doing blackface in the eighties. The blackface is clearly wrong. I knew it was wrong when I was in high school in the eighties. And even wronger was dressing up in a full blown clan outfit. I mean, what the fuck? There's nothing funny about that. Like, oh, hey, hey, that's great. That's a nice hood. That's a funny costume. That's a great picture. Let's put it in. Let's put it in the yearbook. Was it funny in Step Brothers? That was probably the last time it was funny. Oh, Jesus. Was that in Step Brothers? Yeah, remember they were uh, they were trying to sell the parents' house and one dressed up as a Nazi and the other oh, dressed Jesus. up. And it, was it? It was, it was kind of funny then. I hate to say that. Well, you know what? Nowadays, you can't even make movies in which you joke about you that. But certainly no. in a yearbook, I don't think that's jokeable, even back then. Okay, so that said, how about this on the double standard front? You've seen the clip of Jimmy Kimmel playing Carl Malone, haven't you? Yes. Is that... How on earth is there no backlash on him? Because I, not only did he play Carl Malone... He played Carl Malone as stupid Carl Malone, wearing black face, black neck, black arms, black shoulders, black everything. Okay, let me ask you this question. Are you mad at Eddie Murphy for doing white like me skit? No. Not hmm. at all. Okay. All right. I'm not even okay. I'm not even mad at Jimmy Kimmel doing Carl Malone. But that was if you, you can say that was done in comedy. No, I don't know. There's See? Like nowadays you can't. No, no, no. Nowadays you can't. 
there's no way you can walk anything back. So I just hate the media reaction. I hate the double standard, and I hate politicians like North Northam who just can't step down for the good of the fucking state. You're supposed to be a public servant, okay? This shit erupted. It's compromised your ability to lead. Get the fuck out. Go on with your life. I would be in favor, and I know this would affect your livelihood, of making almost all elected positions unpaid. (laughs) So that you literally, you wouldn't want the job. Now you might say, but that's going to not attract the best people. I would say not necessarily. Some people would do it because they have money saved up. It's their civic duty. But if you take the money out of it, then there's going to be no desire to cling to these jobs with a death grip. Is anyone going to say this in the nicest way? Two, two months I have done this job. I have come to one conclusion. Uh, politicians ain't that bright. <laughs> Even the current paid ones. Even the, the, the current paid ones, I, okay. I, I, I sit in stuff and I just go, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> Shake your head and go, yeah, yeah I, yep. no, don't think that's yep. going to work. They're, now, they're, they're, they're smarter than program directors, but not by much. <laughs> well, our program director, Christopher Johnson, notwithstanding, yeah, fantastic PD. Okay. Oh boy, right. here we go. Hey, listen, okay. I got I, I to work I that end of the street. I know you got to work. I know, I know. Zion Williamson. <laughs> Did you see the block over the weekend yes. against Virginia? I have, a, I have a friend who is a, he's just a hater. I was talking to him today. And I really? Said, Did you? Yeah. He's, he says. What kind of hater? A Duke hater oh, or a Zion hater? Oh, a Zion hater. Okay. He said, I got to see Zion play against some real, some real big boys. I'm like, dude, he's playing. <laughs> right. He's better than everyone else in college basketball. I think he's the real deal. I mean, how, how can you? And not, what did your hater? What did your hater friend say? He's like, eh, I'll wait till he gets in the league. I'm like, yeah. he's they they compare him to Barkley, and he was he's better than Barkley was in college. Can I can I make that statement? Yes, because he's more physically built than Barkley. First he's got of all, some handles. Yeah, he can't shoot great yet. Not great, but it's not terrible. It's not terrible, and he jumps. He's explosive. Oh. And here's the other thing I said is that he's got great athletic instincts. It's one thing to be a great athlete, but if you don't have great athletic instincts, you're JaVale McGee. You're going off. Dummy. You're going, you're going off like a rocket who launches at the wrong time or a you know, popcorn that goes off, you know, prematurely. You're just jumping and running all over the place. Zion's instincts to cross the lane, leap up, oh, I don't know, ten feet in the air or more. 15 feet in the air to block that jump shot from three was sick. Like I keep watching the the loop of it. I'm watching it right now and you freeze it at one point and you say to yourself, there's no way he gets to the ball from where he is right now. Advance a couple frames. Nope. Still not going to make it a little bit more. Oh shit. He just blocked it. And, and that's the best block I've seen not from the weak side or anything like that. That was a straight up, I'm in your face, and I'm blocking your shot. Right. I was talking to uh, Mike DeCourcy. You know Mike, Sporting News Mike. Mike. I do. I love Mike DeCourcy. Mike is great. Mike is one of the last great, honest, very smart media members out there. Not into hot takes. He's confident in his positions, but he's not going to be a dick about it. And he really knows what he's talking about. I, I was talking about the Hakeem Warwick block 
against oh, the championship game. Kansas in the corner that basically sealed the win. That block, as I recall, just grazed the jumper and the ball fell harmlessly at the two players' feet. This Zion block goes a block. It goes ten rows <laughs> into the stands. That was, as we say on the playgrounds, get that shit out of here. Absolutely. And yes. so when he plays at the next level, here's what people often forget. And I used to be one of the guys that said, wait till he plays against the big boys. Wait till he plays against the big boys. I, I forgot along the way, Jay, he's going to be playing with other big boys on his team. And that's going to make him even better. You know what I mean? I, again, you're not. You have to sell me. I'm all. I know. On Zion. I know. I'm but you in. get the, you get the point though that I get the point. Yeah. Right. Like people forget. Yeah, he'll be playing against bigger boys, but he'll be playing with big boys too. So it, it all it all sort of translates up. I I think he's going to be fantastic. He, he he's a guy I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about Kyler Murray. Although I don't know, I don't have a good feel if he's going to be any good. Your thoughts on Kyler Murray? He's how he's going to get passing lanes. People say that's five eleven. He's not five eleven. He's more like five nine, five okay. eight. How's he going to find? Why would you not want to play baseball where you don't run into the where you might not get killed? I don't understand why baseball, he would not want to. Baseball sucks, Jay. You oh, got to come to those. Got to come to grips with that, my man. Stop it. You get paid more money. <laughs> it, 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 none of that makes any sense. Although with this freeze out of Machado and Harper going on, Murray might be saying, why do I want to fight through five years of arbitration control? It's not a freeze out. People are now coming to their senses. Well, then maybe maybe there's not as much money in baseball as you think. What if he is a... No, they're no longer going to pay people on what they used to do, like Albert Pujolos. He got paid on what he used to do, not what he's going to do. All right, well, the thing about Kyler Murray is that he could be a... Uh, a, a quick running base stealing 286 uh, right but a quick with without significant power numbers who's going to pay that teams don't even steal bases anymore the numbers That's and a, the nerds say it's he, a fool's you know gambit to try to steal bases he would play for 10 years and make 11 million dollars that's good money so how what, well if he gets drafted in the first round he'll make 15 million from the NFL I and bet. be out of the league and be out of the league in four years because they find out he can't play the position at five eight. All right. So you're you're a height guy. You think that two or three inches is gonna matter. Yes. Okay. They I want do. You, okay, Jay. I want you to hold your fingers, your thumb and your forefinger, three inches apart. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I want you to hold it out in front of your face and say, How is that tiny difference going to matter standing in a pocket of five Giant men, six foot seven or bigger. I think. What do they do with Russell Wilson? They make you have to make lanes for him. But they do. I don't think he's Russell Wilson. You know what? He's a baseball I, I, player. No, Russell. Uh, Russell. But Russell with the Orioles uh, farm system, I believe. Yeah. I I don't think Kyle Murray is. But you know what? I'll say two things. I don't think he's going to be good. But today's NFL. Who knows? So I, I will. I will hold out. I will hold out for. Uh, I'll watch him before I make a statement. All I'll right. hold out. How, how about the fact that he basically followed up Baker Mayfield, who's only three inches taller than he is, and he broke all of Baker Mayfield's numbers 
in one year. Same school, same, same league, same opponents, went to the Final Four. I mean... So what are you saying? Are you saying that he's going to, he's a can't miss? No, I'm just saying I'm intrigued. I just don't know. Like we didn't I wanna, think Baker was going to be this good though. I thought Baker was going to be a bust. Me too. I did too. He had too small and too douchey. Much, thank you. you know, yeah. he, he still is, but he still is. Too, yeah, too much of a wild card. That's what, yeah. Okay. Big ballers brand could be coming to an end. Are you sad about that? <laughs> First of all, I haven't seen a pair of those shoes in like eight months. Have you seen them? Have you seen them live in in the wild? (laughs) Where's where's all that money going from all these orders that he was taking? (laughs) I don't know. I have two questions about that. Where's all the money going? And where is Jello, the middle kid? Have we seen him? Don't know where he's playing. He was he was draft eligible, was not drafted. The little kid. He's in high school, but since he signed with the agent, he can't go to college. Correct. Lavar has thoroughly fucked this whole thing up. Totally. And then His he was. His son's going to get traded. Uh, well, at least not this year. He avoided that. He will. He will. Okay. He, he'll get traded. I mean, this was the biggest grandioso play ever, and it all backfired. Yeah, he's really fucked his kids up. Yes. If he If he literally had just shipped himself to outer space to orbit for five years and told Mrs. Baller to make sure the kids got enrolled at UCLA one, two, three in a row, as the plan was. It would have worked out better. Way better. Way better. Uh, Jello would have been an early second-round pick, probably, and, and the little kid with the mop hair, uh, would be right now in college, maybe making Sports Center. Yeah, and stupid Lonzo would be in the NBA, not with the Lakers because his son basically punked the Lakers into taking them. Right, but he, you know, he needs to. He still needs to work on that jump shot. It's still the ugliest thing. It I've is. Ever seen. It is ugly. It's bad. But here's the uh, here's the story from Darren Ravel. Big Baller Brand just notified customers that had placed a two hundred dollar order for the ZO two. 2019 you're an idiot by the way go ahead sorry (laughs) (laughs) they didn't notify people that they're an idiot i think they already knew (laughs) that people understood you're an idiot uh they've pushed the orders back that were made in october the shipment date for the shoes if you bought them in october non-refund non-refundable money like you got to give them the money first and then they give you the shoes the shipment date pushed back from early 2019 to now May 1st. They say they're working through an improvement on the, quote, critical foam cushioning to allow for a better performing shoe. Okay. <laughs> or you can go get a pair of Nikes for 90 bucks. Right. Oh, 90 bucks for shoes. I, I said to myself when I was 18, I'll never buy 100 pair. And I'm spending $100 on shoes all the time. I'm so, an idiot. That's all right. What did you, uh, what's the most expensive pair you've paid for in a while? I think I paid three or four years ago, 125 bucks for a pair of shoes, the pair of Nike something. I can't remember, Nice, but that was, that was the most. Okay. How many pairs do you own right now? Three. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Three pairs. Yep. Three pair of tennis shoes. Man, live simple. I appreciate that. that. That's right. A very simple life. Did you watch any of the AAF? 
the I new football wanna, league. Before we go on to anything, I did watch the AAF about five minutes, but I did watch the halftime show. What was the halftime show? No, the halftime show for the Super Bowl. You gave that was my. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes. All right. Let's talk. All right. Screw the AAF. Let's move right to the halftime show and then we'll touch on the Grammys. Did you watch any of the Grammys? I saw the Jennifer Lopez performance. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But let's first go through halftime Super Bowl. Your thoughts? Okay, uh, you were one hundred percent right with Maroon Five. Adam Levine. While I do like them, he was he took douchiness to a whole other level with taking the shirt off. Total douche. Like I've got all these tattoos. Look at me. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm in a band that soccer moms love. That's basically who likes <laughs> who likes Maroon Five. Uh, Big John, they bleeped out every other word for him and uh, him and um, right. Uh, who was oh God? But well, well, um, Travis Scott. Travis Scott. Yeah. yeah, that never makes for good viewing at home. No, uh, no. Um, I like Big Boy's performance because I love Big Boy. Okay, it should have been. Was he now, the one in the I, fur coat? He was the one in the fur coat. Yes. All right. And, and the song he did is one of my favorite songs. It's from it's from the movie Atlanta. Okay. It's from the movie ATL, yes. Um, Who was up there with he, him? That was, oh, that was, uh, oh, that was um, Killer Mike. Okay. Big boy and Killer so, Mike. So um, they needed more people. And I was conversing with uh, some of the guys on Reddit about this. Okay. Can I plug? Can I plug the Reddit uh, Zaycast? Yes. Yeah, please do. Said, they need, why do. Why do they not have like REM who are from Atlanta? Uh, the B fifty twos. So you want a more Atlanta. acts? Yes. I yeah. Wanted, well, that costs more have, money for the league, and they don't want to spend. Well, one guy said it's the halftime show, not live aid. Good point by you. <laughs> Very good point. Very and good just, point. Boy, Jay, you know what? You Reddit people, Jay goes there voluntarily on his own time, no, on his own dime, and you Great. roast him with that. Although, good burn, sick burn. It's he not did live not roast me. I, I had to go. You're right. You're right. But I, uh, I gave it a, I gave it a C plus overall. It still does not. Prince and Bruno Mars. Those are still the yeah. gold standards yeah. of halftime shows. All right, on to the Grammys. So a lot of people slamming J Lo for the Motown it was tribute. Terrible. She was terrible. And plus, she lip synced. Okay. First of all, you're talking about the Tom Brady of babes. She is the goat. She's 40. No, that's, that's nine that's years Jennifer, old. She, that's Jennifer no, Aniston. Still. Who just turned 50, by the way. J-Lo is more talented than Jennifer Aniston. And Wait a minute. Whoa, men, whoa. Don't, men don't go running, screaming from J-Lo like they do Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston is the black widow of hot babes. No men want to be with her for, for that long. They're like, okay, crazy town, time to leave. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jennifer Lopez is with A-Rod. You're not really, no. Uh, I'll grant you. It's a douchey, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a partnership of convenience to stay relevant in the public eye for both those people, right? Uh, I'm going to disagree with this one. She's with the, she's with the world's most awful man. <laughs> Handsome devil, though. She's Awful so man. hot. God damn, Jenny from the block is so hot. So a lot of people didn't like the fact that a non-African-American was doing the Motown tribute. Today, Smokey Robinson came out and said, people, 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 
you are totally negating what the Motown movement was all about, bringing all races and all peoples together. You should stop this because it's not good. It's not a good look. I don't remember any white people on Motown, Smokey. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. He are you telling Gladys Knight. Are you, are you telling Smokey Robinson to shut the fuck up? Yes, please. Stop. <laughs> I, I know you're not really relevant, Smokey. And you wrote some great hits, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So you do believe that there should have been at least a black yes. artist doing the I, Motown tribute. Can, and J-Lo being Hispanic, not ethnic enough. No, no. Okay. I remember back in the mid or the mid to late when she was dating Puffy, she dropped the N-bomb a couple times in songs and tried Whoa. to use the, yeah, tried to use the I'm Hispanic. No, no. sorry, it doesn't work. <laughs> J-Lo, doesn't dated, work. J-Lo dated Puffy? Remember, she got the case where they were in the club I and don't Puffy shot that. a Puffy shot a gun, and her and J Lo were uh, were in court. Yeah, she was dating P Diddy, aka da- Puff Daddy. This was pre um, douchebag um, Ben. Uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah then she got a then she got a white guy. <laughs> She does move around, I'll grant you that. And she, she also dated move, yeah. I think she married a backup dancer at one point. All these these hot chicks marry a hot backup dancer at some point before moving Chris, on. Chris Chris his name is Chris something. Chris Sad Stapleton? Know, no, not Chris Stapleton. His name is Chris something. Sad that I know his first name. Oh god. Chris god. backup dancer J Lo. Chris Judd. Thank you. Naomi's Chris, cousin. Chris, <laughs> Chris Judd's Love at First Sight with Jennifer Lopez. Where are they now? I <laughs> love that. Oh, lovely. Jennifer Lopez on Backup Dancers. Surprise. Oh, God. Well, okay. So so you didn't like that. Is there anything else else of the uh, Grammys? No, I just okay. I just saw just saw the J happened to flick and saw the J Lo performance. All right. Let's wrap it on this one, Jay. This is the yes, this sir. is a fantastic story. Dateline and I do, I, and I do have an F, F that guy too. Okay, all right. Uh, Dateline Houston, a man who walked into an abandoned Southeast Houston home to get high and smoke some weed was stunned when he found an abandoned thousand-pound overweight tiger in a cage that had been abandoned. The man said he walked out and was freaked out saying, I think I'm hallucinating. No, you're not, sir. You did go in there to get high, but sure enough, some asshole had owned a tiger, overfed the tiger, and just left it in its cage. A thousand pounds. This is the fattest tiger you've ever seen. And some some tweaker is going in there going, hey, dude, let's... Looks like this house is abandoned, man. Let's smoke it up. Whoa. Is that a tiger? I would, I would literally shit myself if I saw that. <laughs> this weed is really good, man. Yes. Holy shit. The tiger. A thousand pound tiger. Yeah. I mean, how do you buy one? Well, t- you get them when they're smaller. And then I guess this tiger was being fed cheeseburgers and curly fries every <laughs> single fucking day. Royce from Roy Street is obvious. <laughs> so my fuck that guy 
is to whoever owned the tiger. I'm looking at the outside of this abandoned house in Houston. Yeah, not a good looking neighborhood. Does it's it got, look like does it look like a cracked in? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. It's oh. got no trespassing on the garage door. It looks like it looks like it has a mud driveway. Like literally a mud driveway. It's no, it's not a gravel driveway, it's a mud driveway. Oof-a. I just can't a thousand pound yeah. is it a, is it a Bengal tiger? I don't know, Jay. What okay. am I? I'm just I'm just asking. What am I from I'm the San asking. Diego Zoo? Like that long I'm a, time I'm what am I, Jack Hanna? Jack Hanna. <laughs> It's a Bengal tiger. It's Listen a, to Joan, Joan Embry. Looks like, <laughs> looks like it's a fucking Arby's and Dunkin' Donuts tiger is what it looks like. <laughs> All right. To that, I say whoever owned that tiger, fuck that guy. Your fuck that guy for the week is? So there is a, uh, where we park in a, in a parking garage in Annapolis, it's really tight. I mean, it's a tight spot. Tight spot. So, so I literally have to back in to this parking spot. And then every morning I, I open the door cause there's people on the left and the right of me. So I, I literally just to make sure I'm not over the line. And I, so this uh, two days ago or fr- last Friday, I'm sorry. I didn't really do it, but I was like, I, I think I'm good. So I uh, get out, I'm in my office and another a chief of staff comes down and says, you're parked in the delegate spot. And I go, oh, and I, and immediately I go, did I park in his spot and not even th- look? So I, I go, we go downstairs and he meets me in the elevator. Oh, and boy. I go, oh, and I, and I go, by the way, this is black on black crime, by the way. <laughs> Just to let you know this. <laughs> so, so I, I'm like, I'm so apologetic. I'm like, I'm sorry, delegate. He didn't say anything to me because I really thought that I parked in his spot, not thinking. Say is, we go down. Is we he go down is to, he giving you the cold shoulder? Oh, he's giving me the look, the stink like, eye, the maloika. Yes, yes. So <laughs> we go down. Zabe, my tire was over the line. That oh, was it. My God. I stop and look at him for like three minutes, and he goes, "Well, your tire's over the line." I'm just still <laughs> looking at him. Did it prevent him from parking? No. So he no. parked. It was just a little snug. Yes, but. Oh my God! So did you? What did you say to him? Uh, well, delegate, what what do you want me to do? Scooch over three inches? I didn't do a goddamn thing. And how did the how did the standoff end? He he got in his car and moved it over. <laughs> so he moved his just, car. Right. I just kept looking at him like, "Are you serious?" It, it, so you won the so you won the standoff. I won the the Hispanic standoff. I don't want to say Mexican. Okay. Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) So this guy, I I now hate this delegate. Okay, hate this guy. Is he a Democrat? Yes, he is. He's a he's a delegate from Baltimore City. Okay, so next time your uh, boss proposes some legislation, she she likes him though, and needs and it's funny needs his vote. They're on the same committee. Okay, we need we need to pass this uh, Chesapeake Bay Water Act, and we need one more vote. Where are we going to get it? Canvas the room, canvas the 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 the, the body. Where where are we going to find one more vote? And it's down to that guy, and your your boss's legislation goes down in flames because of a parking dispute. It it, it could happen. She introduced twelve bills this session, 
So that could that could happen because it was it's funny because uh, I told her I was like I hate this guy and she goes well you can't because he's on my com- he's on the Ways and Means committee with me and I'm like oh god <laughs> well making friends Dave that's what I do make friends I know all I can say Jay is good thing you're not white in this instance good thing you're not white because you know it'd be played as Oh, I see your white privilege says you're entitled to that three inches of my spot. Right. Your, your white privilege, yes. Your your tire can be over. Oh, your shit. How's your white privilege working out for you? Is it, is it, is it opening good for door, you? Opening doors every day, Jay. They just swing. <laughs> it's You know, when you're white, it's almost like you're in a perpetual grocery store where the doors just swing open without, you know, even touching them. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good to talk to you. I'll see you next week. Thanks, man. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Let's end on this today. Bumble is a dating app designed for women so that they're the ones in charge. Men sign up for Bumble and say, here's my profile, and do you want to date? Here's how you reach me. The women are the ones that get to go through it and check it out, and they're the ones that uh, are in charge on Bumble specifically designed so that men cannot harass women on other dating sites. Well, look who has now been kicked off of Bumble for the second time. George Zimmerman. That's right, the disgraced neighborhood watchman who fatally shot 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. He was discovered by the app moderators who promptly removed his account, and it was the second time he's been kicked off the app since December. We have blocked him again after we were informed by our users that he had created a new unverified profile. I guess Bumble has the right to take anybody off of their service. I don't know how that works exactly. I guess legally they're allowed to do that. Just bad for the neighborhood. Like, yeah, George Zimmerman's on Bumble. Even if you found a woman who believed that he was wrongly, uh, I mean, he did, he was acquitted, but let's just say that uh, if there's a woman who says, no, nah, no, nah, man, this guy got a raw deal. He really was acting in self-defense. I feel bad for him. And he's a charming and dapper fellow. You wouldn't believe it. And guess what? We're very much in love. Okay, but here's the thing. At some point, if you're dating George Zimmerman, you have to take him out with you. You have to go meet friends, and then it's going to get very weird. How it is that uh, Bumble is allowed to take him off, I don't know. A Bumble representative said, we have thousands of moderators working tirelessly with our users to make Bumble the safest and most empowering social networking platform, and this is another example of those efforts. He has had a number of brushes with the law since, including an arrest for aggravated assault for allegedly pointing a shotgun at his girlfriend. I guess that would be more troubling on Bumble than anything else. Not in jail, is he? As Spurrier once said, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for subscribing for the premium Zabecast version on Fridays, which is really just an extra day that I keep behind a paywall. Go to zabe.com slash premium. This week, we're going to have Fred Smoot with another Steakhouse Confidential. I'm going to ask Smoot about these latest NFL things. What do you think of Kyler Murray as a uh, potential NFL quarterback and we'll just get Smoot's take on life once again because you people have said I I want more Smoot so we'll keep digging into Smoot until you say 
Okay, that's enough, Smoot. That'll be on Friday. Meantime, thanks for uh, downloading suggestions, emails, available at zabe at yahoo.com. Now get on out there. Watch out for the George Zimmermans on Bumble. Have yourself a great day, and we will see you next time.